Every second of every day, showers of unstable subatomic particles rain down all over our planet's surface. Basically, if you hold your hand out right now, you're going to get about one muon going through your hand every second. So that's about how many muons we see at sea level on a general basis. You can't see them and you can't feel them, but they're there. Christina Pritchard and Shamaya Kopang, both undergraduate physics students at Missouri Southern State University, built a device to detect these muons. But with a tight budget and limited resources, they built it out of an off-the-shelf digital camera for less than what some physics departments spend on chalk in a year. Well, my, I don't know about you, but I kind of felt like MacGyver. Did you? Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's this week on the Physics Central podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. So these muons that reach the Earth's surface are actually all that's left of cosmic ray particles that hit the Earth's atmosphere and decay into their constituent parts. And the planet is constantly being bombarded by these cosmic ray particles, so muons really are everywhere. Now, there are all kinds of specialized muon detectors at physics labs around the world, but Pritchard and Kopang's professor had happened across a paper about hacking a digital camera's imaging sensor into detecting muons. Well, we picked the Sony A3000, one for its cost. It was barely $400. And another thing is the detector on it was actually one of the bigger ones we could find, which is 1.5 centimeters by two, which because we want as much area as possible to maximize that. And also uh, Sony has a patented uh, light sensitivity algorithm built in, which was great for our low light project. And they wanted to do more than just build something that would show them the spot where the muon passed through. We wanted to create a ring imaging shrink-off detector. Um, that's what we built. Um, we pretty much did everything with commercial off-the-shelf products. We were working with not very much money at all, so we were able to actually build it with a piece of magnesium fluoride. The magnesium fluoride is the key. So when muons fly through space in the atmosphere, they're moving at close to the speed of light, about 300,000 kilometers a second. But the speed that light can travel in magnesium fluoride is much less. So what happens when a muon passes through the magnesium fluoride is that it emits blue light, a ring of photons called Cherenkov radiation that the camera's imaging sensor can pick up. The magnesium fluoride is called the radiator because it makes the muon radiate Cherenkov radiation. Simple, right? The trick was putting this cookie-sized disk of magnesium fluoride inside the camera. Well, we started with this beautiful camera, completely ripped it into pieces. I mean, we took every last little piece out of there. Luckily, we were actually able to put the pieces back in, which was going to be a, it was a little difficult to remember where they all went. But anyways, <clears throat> we got this piece of magnesium fluoride, which was our radiator. I had Eagle Picture Technologies is where I work at. Um, Wayne White, he works with a 3D imaging printer there. He was nice enough to print us a little case for it to hold it so that it could be screwed into the camera and held in place really well. It turns out that engineering and procurement was the hardest part of the project because Sony cameras apparently use this proprietary screw size. I got the last 39 screws at 1.7 millimeters in the entire United States. And they don't anticipate reordering these at all because they've had the same 1,000 for 39 years. But they got it together, and after pulling the camera's guts out and sticking in new bits, their Frankenstein-like muon detector was alive. It just looks like a camera. The whole body and everything's intact. There's just a few pieces missing, but essentially it looks like a normal camera. Now they were all set to start taking data. So basically, we got some black felt, 
and wrap the camera in it so it could see no light. Um, we had to put as many pieces back together as possible so you get no light in it at all. And then whenever you take the picture, it's gonna show you complete darkness except for when you have an event, which is when you get these photon rings. After they were all set up, their first few tests to figure out how best to capture a muon event were literally shots in the dark. We experimented with different exposure times. We tried two seconds, six seconds, and it, eventually we stayed with 10 seconds. But um, there's no way of knowing if you're getting events or not because you have it in the felt in a dark room and you just take picture after picture after picture. And then later on, once you're done, then you take the SD card out and analyze it on the computer, put it through some filters, and only then will you be able to see if you got an event or not. So. And after they took a number of images, the moment of truth. And in my mind, what I envisioned was this beautiful, perfect picture with a dot and then an elliptical like ring of beautiful little tiny dots. I guess that was maybe a naive idea of what it would actually look like. What we ended up with was an elliptical picture of just a white blob is what it looks like right now. The camera should be able to see the color of the light no problem. The white blob is actually the result of the software that they had to use under their tight budget. Our professor wanted to put it through like Photoshop or something, but we didn't have the money to pay the $6,000 to get that. He used some free download such that he could see it, but we're only able to see it in black and white. Now traditionally, um, Shrinkoff radiation, it comes out as a blue flash. So as of yet, it's only been analyzed in black and white, but we're hoping like with further analyzation, we'll be able to see the blue light. It's an ongoing project for them to keep perfecting the device. Right now it's on the fritz, but Pritchard has some plans to fix it and upgrade it. At this point, we, we still need to take it apart and we need to do some further modification to make it work a little bit better. I think we've got some really good ideas on how we need to fix it now. Um, and hopefully in the future we'll be able to see the dot in the middle. But as of now, yeah, we're just seeing a blob of photons. So turning a digital camera into a muon detector is, on the one hand, a really fun project. But it's also a good way to bring particle physics into a university program that might not have otherwise been able to explore it in as great a depth. If we can get it to work really well and completely, then other universities could also adopt this uh, idea. And if they don't have much funding, then they'd also be able to uh, provide their undergraduates with an opportunity to uh, experiment with in the laboratory dealing with particle and nuclear physics. And at the same time, there are applications for a portable, durable muon detector like this. There was also an idea of using it for tomography, taking it into caves and turning these 2D images into 3D images such that we could find the hollows in the caves with just the camera. Tomography works because as muons pass through dense materials like rock, they get absorbed. But less dense materials like air absorb them a lot less. So if you're deep in a cave and you see a bright spot of muons above you, there's a good chance there's a hollow section in the cave there, which isn't absorbing muons as fast as the surrounding rock. But we do have a geophysicist that works with us, well, works with us, a professor that we go to school with, and um, he would be really interested to see if we could get that to work for him and his students. But really, for undergraduates Pritchard and Copang, the most important thing about this project is learning the science and engineering skills they'll need later in life. With limited money, you really have to think outside the box and try to make do with what you have and come up with ideas and be creative. And so I think it really helps in, in that point. And so when you go out into the world and work at some serious job, you'll have maybe some ideas that nobody else will have. If you want to see pictures of the detector and what it saw, head to our blog at physicscentral.com. 
That's all for this week's Physics Central podcast. You can find more of our podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, my God.